This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Good afternoon good evening. It is the Matt McNeil Show broadcasting live on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the mothership. And I am your mother. It is Matt McNeil. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here today. Uh, lots to get to, but starting off with just an A-plus guest. Cliff Schechter is kind enough to join us, a national pundit. You see him with Stephanie Miller on a lot of different news outlets. Of course, his Blue Amp YouTube channel is exceptional. And if you're not subscribed to that, you are just plain wrong. He's kind enough to join us for the first half hour today. Hey, Cliff, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. It's it's nice to have you here. And, of course, I'm glad that you can get a a double dose in Chicago now uh, with the great listeners over at uh, WCPT820. All right, my friends in Chicago, we can debate pizza. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. <laughs> the, Patty Vasquez, the other host on uh, WCPT, we already did that last Friday. I don't know. <laughs> there are some things I don't want to cross lines, man. I just, I'll eat anything. <laughs> that seems fair. That seems fair. We can debate baseball eventually, too. Yeah. The whole thing. Well, I don't. I'm just sitting here right now, as you know, I'm a, originally a New York guy. And every reporter, they're, they're, they're killing me. They're all like, the Yankees are on the verge of signing Juan Soto. Medical records are being checked and that kind of stuff. And, of course, that's very important with the Yankees because medical records are usually the most important story by the middle of our season. So. <laughs> well, hey, I can say this about Minnesota. We got, uh, you know, uh, Byron Buxton's about to – he's saying he's he's uh, going to try to make it to center field all next year. But just during that announcement, I think he, he broke four bones in his hand. So oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's such a shame. He's got so much talent, man. Yeah, that guy could just stay healthy. Mr. Glass himself. Although, hey, we love our Cubbies and White Sox. Is That's that believable? Right. Is that believable? I'll, I'll go with that. They All right. awesome, too. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy first. You and I talked. I think you made the point is this is a guy whose entire career was about becoming Speaker of the House. He, of course, it, it became clear with Johnson that he was never going to get back that Speaker's chair. And when that happened, I think it broke his heart. He has announced he is leaving the House at the end of this year, which is you know a, a bit of a surprise. Your thoughts, first of all, on the whole thing there? Yes, he announced he's leaving to spend more time with his lobbyists. Um, <laughs> you know what a what a pathetic career. I mean, I don't know what else. He he got there in two thousand six. He rose up to leadership. Originally was going to challenge when Boehner stepped down. Uh, for the for the you know to become speaker, he got that they had that little you know in the end he didn't get it and he came back because he was willing to do whatever it took uh, to become speaker and the two things that should be etched on his political gravestone were that after January sixth he helped rehabilitate Donald Trump when some Republicans are actually speaking out were starting to isolate Trump and Trump really at that point for the first time that I had ever seen in politics. Needed somebody to, to, to bring him a life raft. You know what I mean? Needed somebody to, to help him. Kevin McCarthy flew down to Mar-a-Lago yep. and took that picture with him, that infamous picture, and helped rehabilitate him so that we're still dealing with him today. And the party who followed that lead and jumped aboard on the lies about the election, the lies about January 6th, 
and 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 the rest, which Liz Cheney, of course, has been talking about lately yeah. with her book and everywhere. And the second thing that she etched in his gravestone is that political gravestone is that when he realized he couldn't become speaker because this ha- the house is filled with a bunch of monkeys flinging feces. I can say that, right? Oh, well, of course. Yeah, so, of course. There we go. Um, <laughs> based on, he, based he, on he a true just, story. By, by the way, based on a true story. <laughs> yes. Actually, that is true. The Republicans who broke in there on January 6th did actually wipe feces on the walls because they're great people. Yeah. Um, so um, he, he was willing to make a, an alliance with one of the most arguably insane, stupid, moronic, uh, conspiratorial – you just think of how you want to describe Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is a deleterious force and everything she touches. Um, and he mainstreamed her and he did it because she brought along enough of the crazy right to vote for him for speaker. It still took him 15 tries. Mm-hmm. He still only lasted, I believe, about 10. No, no. Was it 10 or 30 Scaramucci's? You have to do the math on that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 10 months speakership. 15 tries, was it worth it? He mainstreamed this person who spoke of Jewish lasers and of, of, of Catholics being satanic, of, you know, the devil sitting on the, on the Pope's shoulder and whispering in his ear and, have, you know, God knows Islamophobia and homophobia and just this awful, terrible person. And he mainstreamed her. Um, and so for Trump and for Marjorie Taylor Greene, he should be remembered forever for that. The... When you when you look at where the House goes, I mean, right now they desperately want to validate their investigation into Joe Biden and make it seem like he's on the he clearly committed some crimes. I mean, NBC went after Comer the other day and just basically made him look like an idiot. Uh, and this whole Biden oh, thing. Nobody has to make him look no, like he, he, he correct you, but fair Comer statement. Kyle does a pretty good job himself. Yeah, fair statement. But you know, they want to desperately do this. They definitely don't have certain Republicans who are going to vote for this because they know that that will be the end of their political career in their toss-up or even leans Democrat districts. That being said, this makes it even more difficult. I don't know what the California rules are for a special election, but if this is held open until, say, like April, which it quite literally, it very reasonably could be, it might not be till April till they get the replacement, they're not going to have – I mean, you think that they had problems before. It's going to even get worse for them in the U.S. House. Yeah, here's the fun part, right? Uh, with George Santos expelled and uh, Kathy Hochul setting an election for as soon as possible because that's a D plus three seat that we never should have lost and now will be in great shape to take in February. So that's a two-seat swing, not just one. Um, Bill Johnson here in Ohio stepping down in this corrupt deal where Youngstown State – with no input from the, the student and faculty and anybody are making this guy who has no experience in education, who's a Trump supporter um, and who, an election denier, the head of Youngstown State. So that's one seat they're going to be down here. I don't know how quickly they can have an election here. And I assume in California, Newsom can control the process. The Democrat, it's a very Republican seat. They still have, they still likely would win McCarthy's seat. Not definitely. So he could push it back if he wanted to. Now, my math tells me, and I'm saying, I didn't major in math, and I'm not very good at it. But if everything I just said happens, the Republicans would have a one-seat margin in the House. <laughs> That's what they well, – somebody, somebody gets a, a bad cold one day and doesn't show up, or two people do, and the Democrats should just run rampant, take the place over, and vote for everything we ever dreamt of. Um, and so they, they weren't able to do anything with a 
five, seven, whatever vote majority. Anybody think they can do anything with a one vote majority? Um, so, yeah, it, it throws them into complete disarray. And what I love about this is that to me is the pettiness of this. Mm-hmm. You know, McCarthy could have done something to help his party and stuck around. But to me, I, this feels a lot like him looking at the, at the you know, the whatever. the like, They always changed their name. It used to be the study committee. Now the Freedom Caucus. I, I, who knows? What, next week, there'll be the Jewish Laser Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Like, I, the, whatever the right wing Republican caucus is, um, he could have done them a favor, stuck around and kept their margin larger so they could do something. Instead, he's leaving yeah. and completely screwing them, which I love. Oh, and, and he is. He just there. It is a. It, it it puts them in a horrible situation. I hope what you put out there comes to fruition because it will be hilarious. They'll be gal, uh, you know, uh, gaveling the, the house closed constantly just to prevent the Democrats from having an advantage, and they'll be keeping they'll be someone at the door keeping track of how many Republicans are around on any given day. Uh, Let me just put it this way, um, and I promise I won't say anything that'll get you in trouble here. But if there's a particularly sort of sexy uh, show going on. Like let's say Beetlejuice, sometime oh, yeah. they'll lose their they lose their majority right away because we know somebody will be running off. Oh man, mm. I knew who doesn't like to to have raunchous sex at a Beetlejuice show? I do. It's just great fun. It turns everybody on. <laughs> Beetlejuice is the best. <laughs> uh, you brought up Johnson, the speaker. Um, yesterday he got a and he deservedly a ton of crud when he was talking about releasing the security footage from January 6th, the exact quote, we have to blur some of the faces of persons who participated in the events of the day because we don't want them to be retaliated against or to be charged by the DOJ. This is him saying, I'm on the side of criminals because what these guys did was undeniably a criminal act at attempting to overthrow the government of the United States. And the fact is, is he's saying, I'm not going to allow prosecution of people who committed a crime. I brought this up yesterday. I don't think he'd be seeing the same thing if this was footage from the George Floyd protests in Minneapolis in 2020. I think that, sure. yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be standing up for the, for the, the people that they, they wanted to deem as the villains. The reality is, is these people try to overthrow the government of the country. And here he is basically saying, I'm going to run interference for you. And he was one of the ones we know now was one of the largest cheerleaders for it, aided and abetted it. But he's religious. And of course, that's what Jesus would have done. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always these frauds, these fake religious figures, you know, who, who they only find the parts in the Bible, like the, the two or three passages that let them hate people uh, and ignore everything else. As you know, Jesus never talked about helping the poor. So Mike Johnson fits right in. Yeah, um, yeah he's he is just this creepy little weirdo figure. I swear to God, every ah. time I see that, this creepy, just ugh, where I see him talking, he just gives me the willies. He's so I mean. The blurring, you know, maybe he got that idea. I have a feeling he got that idea because maybe when he and his son monitor each other's porn, they blur yeah. the faces out. Mm. Is that – I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what they do. Beetlejuice porn still the best. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, no, but I'll just say quickly. I can't make something out like fun of him, but I have to say something serious. I mean he is – again, he is dangerous, and, and, and luckily he will have no margin because it more has come out too about his beliefs. And as we know, he, he has – some of the clients he had when he was a lawyer were – Groups that think that for being gay, you should be executed and for being a doctor who performs an abortion and a woman who has one. And he basically, I mean, I don't care if this is controversial. He is what they call him, you know, MAGA Mike. He should be called Hamas Mike because he's basically the same. The same set of beliefs about women's rights, about gay rights, about you name it. 
Well, and I'll say this as, as someone who is a Christian, I will say this. I haven't seen, you know, he clearly doesn't have the Gospel of Matthew in his Bible. That's surely not in there. Good portions of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are also missing. But I will, I will say too that, you know, when you, when you, he reminds me of a villain, you know, like a bad action movie where you think the one guy's the good guy the entire time. And then all of a sudden, right. halfway through the movie, you realize the guy that looks so milk toast is actually the real villain. I mean, that's Speaker Johnson right there in any of these action films. Yeah, he is. Um, what is he? He's he's. Um, oh, come on, he's Kevin Spacey from. Uh, I didn't even mean it that way, but go for it if you want. He's from uh, the what? Come on, the the, the usual suspect. Yes. <laughs> you realize what the end? Oh, so, and by the way, sorry if we ruined you. The movie's only what thirty years old at this point. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm sorry. We've gotten past that point. He is. He he. What's the dude's name? It's driving me crazy. The name of the character. Kaiser Soze. Uh, Kaiser Soze. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's Kaiser Soze because you believe the whole time that Kevin Spacey is this wimpy, innocent guy, and you find out, of course, not so much. And kind of like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a break. We'll come on back. Uh, Trump is insisting he's going to be a dictator. Uh, and also, we're going to ruin another great movie for you. It's the name of the sled. Just that's a little preview for you. We'll got that coming up here. Cliff Schechter, kind enough to join us today and talk politics on your Wednesday. It is the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Cliff Schechter joining us. Cliff, a little bit of breaking news here. Las Vegas police announced a suspect is dead after officers responded to an active shooter at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas campus today. There appears to be multiple victims at this time. The agency has said uh, authorities have been seen swarming Beam Hall, located south of the city center. The building is home to the university's Lee Business School and sits opposite the student union where additional shots were reportedly heard. So obviously we're not knowing the, the, the severity of the shooting, but another mass shooting here in America, this time at UNLV. I mean... It gets exhausting. As you know, I've worked on this issue a ton. We've spoken about it. I think you guys passed. You tightened up your laws there when Democrats took over in a number of ways. Background checks, red flag laws, uh, if I'm correct. Um, But and that's great. And those are all good first steps. But someday we're going to decide to take this issue seriously. And we're going to decide that that humans who want to just go about their business and live have the same rights, if not greater rights, than people who want to own killing machines. And I'm sorry. And this is coming from somebody who used to shoot competitively on a rifle squad. Um, so I know my way around guns. But we just I don't know when we're going to get to that point where we prioritize the lives of innocent people. I mean, owning weapons. Absolutely. Plenty of countries. Canada is an example. The Scandinavian countries, Switzerland. There are plenty of countries where gun ownership is a thing where they just heavily regulated to make sure those that are mentally unbalanced, those who are dangerous, those who've committed crimes before have no way of getting their hands on these things. And we don't even try in this country. And until we do, this is going to be the result. This, it seems like the one thing that people have forgotten is that we have a right to not have guns jammed in our faces and shot at us all the time. We have a right to that in this country, but that right is ignored while basically we pander to a bunch of gun companies and bullet manufacturers. It is disturbing. Uh, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'll say quickly, I mean, look, it's right there in the preamble to the Constitution that that they were setting it up so that we would have the, for the general welfare of our country and domestic tranquility that 
domestic tranquility, let me say it right. Do we think that, that that's not the Second Amendment is somehow more important than that? Because we don't have domestic tranquility. We have people being shot every day all over the place because of the decision we've made. Not to mention it kills the First Amendment because you don't have the right to assembly when you when you want to get together and, and petition your government or you want to get together and assemble and you can be scared that people are going to show up and shoot you because of your political beliefs. So it, it, it kills a whole bunch of our other rights because we've become so extreme on this one right. Absolutely. Uh, Trump was with Hannity. Uh, Hannity actually confronted him on the idea that he was going to try to make himself a dictator if reelected as president. He, uh, Aaron Rupar made the point that he basically avoided answering that question at first, but then eventually when Hannity revisited it, he basically said, well, I'll be an evil dictator for one day. That that's that that that's somehow he thought that that would be a good answer that, oh, I'll be a dictator for one day, but that's it. And then I'll stop. Um, the, the warning signs are all here. I mean, even a lot of Republicans as well. Unfortunately, a lot of Republicans who've retired or are no longer uh, going to be running for office finally find their courage. But the reality is, is we've got this guy who clearly thinks that he can install himself and he'll never leave office if he gets into that office again. And they're bragging about it. It is terrifying, really, if you think about it. It is. It, I mean, look, this is every sort of story we've ever, ever written, you know, uh, about it coming to this end, the United States, the way it has in so many other countries, democracy disappearing. And, you know, so for so often it couldn't happen here. It always could happen here with the raw, with the wrong mixture of, of a party that had been hollowed out by money and corrupt and a, a, a demonic um, and, you know, kind of figure coming along who's got charisma to them to about, you know, that that 33 percent or so who are in his cult. But then it goes to the media. And then it's the fact you pointed out the Hunter Biden stuff before and the Biden stuff. That is all about trying to muddy the waters. If they can call Biden corrupt enough times, if they can sort of say Biden's a dictator and the media refuses to call them out and say, you are liars. Now, the one thing I will say is New York Times finally used the F word fascism for Trump. Mm -hmm. The Washington Post has had some great articles lately. The Atlantic is doing the whole January, February issue the entire issue is about how Trump will be a dictator in all the different ways with all of their various writers writing, I think, about 30 different pieces on it. So the media at least seems to be beginning to get it. I'm starting to have some optimism. They'll start referring more to his fascist language. They'll refer more to the kind of corruption. They'll refer more to the kind of you know, state-sponsored sort of arrests and terror that we, we, we would be living under. Uh, and if more of that comes out, it's that other 15% you know, that could elect him that have to those folks need to understand the ones that aren't really Democrats, maybe they're independents, maybe they're conservatives who realize Trump is evil. They're the ones who have to understand that, that, that Trump cannot be reelected. And the only other choice is Biden. I mean, I'll say quickly, Liz Cheney, I'm glad she's been on so many of these political shows, but we really need her on Jimmy Fallon. We need, we need her to go on mainstream shows that reach regular people. And we need the Mitt Romneys and the Kinzingers and the others to do the same thing we've said pointed out how dangerous Donald Trump is. Well, and you bring up Liz Cheney. I want to bring this up. This is uh, yesterday a, a point uh, on uh, one of her interviews. She points to a part of her book which she describes military official, uh, officials releasing a statement saying that anyone who attempts to use the military as part of some kind of coup effort that would be prosecuted, while it's something that military officials might go to the White House and tell the president personally, Cheney said it was important to make it very publicly. It sparked Trump's fury and threats he would fire anyone in the Pentagon who spoke out like that again. When talking to the committee investigations into Trump, Wallach called that there were threats during the speaker's race as well. So here he is. He was 
the military made a very public statement after clearly there was pressure by Trump to basically bring the military in to attack the citizens of this own country so yep. that he could stay in power. And he was furious that basically the military and once again, thank God for General uh, Milley and 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 the rest of those guys, they 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 uh, they 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 saved the country basically by basically looking at him and saying, no, that's not what we're here for. And yeah, yes. it, 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 but this is he's he's bragging about this stuff now. Right. Well, remember, it always was you could follow the trail very easily um, when the all the living defense secretaries wrote that piece telling the military what their duty was before, you know, inaugura- inauguration day before January 6th. And one of them was Dick Cheney. And it was always quite obvious to me where that came from, that Liz Cheney, who had been in these meetings and had been on these phone calls, had heard and seen things that she was scared enough this might actually happen and had gone to her dad with it who, my gosh, when we're all rooting for Dick Cheney, that's how far we know we've come. When (laughs) your dad got together the the living defense secretaries at the time to write this piece. (laughs) Yes, I know. That's like a a reverse Breaking Bad redemption arc of Dick Cheney going from being the Iraq monster to going to being the guy that that helped save democracy. I I do think that piece that he helped co-author was very important. I do think it sent out a clear message to a lot of conservatives and, and others who cared about the Constitution, who were like, "This okay, if Dick Cheney is writing this, then there must be serious worries that this guy is going to try to to commit to have a coup." And uh, so, I mean, a strange, strange world we now inhabit. Yeah, and reminder: it was only when uh, the, what was it, Virginia and Maryland said we're sending in our National Guard troops that they finally the def- the, uh, the Secretary of Defense in uh, under Trump finally said, "Okay, fine, we'll 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 stop this." It was only when there was really okay troops that they couldn't stop. We're going to go in to stop it. That they stepped up there. Uh, Cliff, uh, excellent as always. I want to remind everyone: the Blue Amp YouTube channel with Cliff Schechter is exceptional. Get subscribed there. I'll put a link up to it on all my social medias. You will be smarter by following Cliff Schechter. Cliff, thank you very much. I appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you. I'll just tell people at C Schechter. That's where you can find uh, the YouTube. And thanks for thanks for having me on that. It's the Matt McNeil Show. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota and WCPT 820 Chicago's progressive talk. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. 952-946-6205. By the way, quick little thing. I like the Cubbies. I like the Cubbies. Brett will attest. Brett is in with us today. Brett, I do like the Cubbies. I, I, I agree. Yeah, you've you've said some good things about the Cubs in the past. I do like the Cubs. And you I and do. I were talking off air. I hope they sign Otani just so he gets to a team <sighs> that can make the playoffs. Seems like the, the Dodgers are throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the guy, though, man. I, I'm uh, yeah, they're the favorite, but I, what I wish and what I think will happen are different. <laughs> it's clear. It's clear he doesn't want to go to New York, though. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't want to go to the Yankees. That's for good. That's for sure. Uh, so I, I do. I do like the Cubbies. So you know, send me your Cubbies takes. I'll take Cubbies takes all day long. Seriously, I, I do like the Cubs. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. I want to go back to something that Cliff had said. We we're talking about the 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 rise of the fascism America. It it is the saddest part I think of this country right now that there are so many people who are either too stupid to realize what they're endorsing, 
the end of democracy itself. And I talked, I've talked for, for ever since Trump tried this little stunt on January 6th, this idea that if he would have overthrown the government and installed himself as president, of course all the Republicans would have sit there and said, well, we, we, we kind of learned our lesson. We guarantee the next election will happen, right? How can you guarantee it? It's done. It's done. There is no election anymore. There is no government anymore. There is no democracy anymore. It is a fascist state. And yes, this does happen. It, 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 trust me, I went back when Trump took power and I actually started asking the question of will he leave office? One of the things I said, the, the two things that would stop him wouldn't be the Republican Party because they are a bunch of whipped pups. They are whipped. And they are terrified, terrified of actually doing anything to speak out against this guy unless they're not running for office or long out of office. Then they find their spines. But while you're in office, they don't have any guts whatsoever. They're a bunch of freaking cowards. That's all they are. Embracing fascism. How dare you? This is the USA. Damn you all. Seriously, damn you all. But I said there were two things that were going to basically stop Trump from doing it. One, the military would not go along with it. See, the U.S. military is – they like how they've got things right now. They get a ton of money. They get a basically – you know, they, they, they get left alone. They, they basically are an, an advisory force to the president, whoever the president is. But don't mistake yourself. As a veteran myself, there is no way on the planet I could see the military – ordering the troops to open fire on the citizens of this country. I just could not see that. Just to, to even to roll them out into city streets and put them on every street corner. What are you talking about? What are you doing? That was not going to happen. And it's clear that Trump wanted that to happen. And the military told him, no, we're not going to do that. The other side of it is I don't think corporate America in this country doesn't want anything to mess with the cash cow that is the United States of America. We are their 16th vacation home, their 14th jet ski. We are their fifth mistress in, in, in Europe. We are everything for them. They make so much money off the United States that they don't want that jeopardized. And for them, if there was a feeling that you were going to start messing with the economic powerhouse that is the United States, that they would have basically themselves you know, said they would the, – the Republicans would have finally found their spines because they would have been approached by every industry and said, not only will we not give you another dime for an election, but forget about your cush lobbying gig that you're hoping to get as soon as you're done with your political you know, term in office. You're not going to get that. And then all of a sudden, frankly, all of a sudden, that's when you'd see Republicans go, I've learned my lesson. This Donald Trump is a little out there. Because uh, that's the modern Republican doesn't look at serving in a political office like we used to, where they are there to try to, for the betterment of the people that, that, that they represented. They look at it as a Rolodex, as a, a quick way to jump up the corporate ladder because, let's face it, most of them are too stupid to be successful in any other way. So this is – they're looking at this as how can I make as much money as possible? Well, I'll use – I won't represent the people. I'll use my office to basically propel myself into that cush lobbying gig for either an industry or for a corporation, and I'll be making six to seven figures every year. You're welcome, America. 
Kash Patel, who is a counterterrorism official in the Trump's National Security Council, which, dear Lord, made a pledge to lead a bench of all American patriots to prosecute journalists and its former boss if his former boss wins a second term in the White House. We will go out and find the conspirators, not just in government, but in the media, Patel said in a recent appearance on the former Trump advisor Steve Bannon's podcast. Yes, we're going to come after the people in the media who lied about the American citizens who helped Joe Biden rig presidential elections. We're going to get, by the way, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Uh, we're going to come after you, whatever it's criminally, um, you know, whether it's criminally or civilly, we'll figure that out. When the New York Times reached out Patel to clarify his comments, his spokesperson, Erica Knight, sent the Times a a statement from Patel. When President Trump takes office in 2025, we will prosecute anyone that broke the law and end the weaponized two-tier system of justice. (laughs) Patel marks about prosecuting journalists are in line with the former president's statements about media government networks critical of his policies. In November, post to his Truth Social account, Trump said the government should come down hard on MSNBC, make them pay for the network's reporting on the ex-president. Trump has routinely targeted the media and transfer and referred to – because basically why? Because he doesn't want them to report anything factual. They want it to be, they, they want it to be at, at worst Fox News, at best Newsmax, which, dear Lord, they can't put the knee pads on fast enough for the guy. Hey, uh, Cash, as a person in the media, try it, you whiny little punk. Seriously, try it, you whiny little punk. Try it. Seriously, try it. Try it with me. Try to try try to try to shut me down. Try to put, throw me in jail. Try it. <sighs> See you, the guys like you. You're the, you, you know the guys that are so so brave and so tough talking. But when it comes down to actually doing things, you you hide behind others and expect others to to make the sacrifice for you. Come on, you're pathetic. <laughs> and and trust me, try it seriously. Try it. Because I don't think you think it's going to go the way you think it's going to go when you start arresting journalists and prosecuting them because you didn't like the fact they told the truth. Because at some point, numbskull, and this is why they want to, this is why these guys want to do their own tribunals. Because if they actually go into a courtroom, they're going to have to produce evidence the other people lied. And if they can't produce the evidence, and all of a sudden, you're opening yourself up to get lost, sued, the, the government getting sued by people by, because they basically – you went out there to prosecute them and persecute them because they were just in the media. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Um, I want to mention uh, – I told you spoiler alert a little bit ago because you know these, these Republicans <laughs> – they sometimes you have to basically take the bad dog and put their face in the in, in in the droppings. You have to kind of do that, and that and you have to get to a situation where these guys realize they're in as much trouble as possible. And I think it was we just saw the story out of Nevada. Six people in Nevada that were the fake electors in Nevada have actually been charged with a crime. So they're going to get prosecuted, kind of like the people in Arizona are getting prosecuted, kind of the people in Georgia getting prosecuted. You know, people are getting prosecuted now for the fake elector scheme. And, you know, that that's that the writing's on the wall. So let's go to Wisconsin where they tried the fake elector scheme as well. The 10 fake electors from Wisconsin disavowed their attempt to overturn Trump's defeat in 2020, recognized the legitimacy of President Joe Biden's victory, and pledged to never serve as a real or sham elector in any future election as part of the civil lawsuit settlement announced on Wednesday. 
It's the latest measure of accountability for the Trump campaign's seven-state plot to undermine the Electoral College and block the transfer of power. Federal prosecutors indicted Trump in connection with the scheme. The entire faux delegation from Michigan was hit with state charges, and so have three of the 16 fake electors from Georgia. As part of the Wisconsin settlement, the 10 fake electors issued a statement acknowledging that the phony certificates they signed in December of 2020 were used as part of an attempt to improperly overturn the lawful election results. Once again, this is not me saying this. Those are the 10 Wisconsin traitors saying this. That's the 10 Republican Wisconsinite traitors saying we lied. We lied. Biden won. Trump lost. End of story. Because there came a point where they realized we're going to lose everything we've got unless we fess up and beg. This is kind of one of the things I've talked about with Mike Lindell in regards to the MyPillow guy. I've talked about this in regard that I, I said back when he started this fiasco, I begged him. I begged him. Because we're in Minneapolis right now. His company is actually in the metro area. There's a lot of people that work for him. And I said, dude, grovel. Grovel. Beg for forgiveness, say you're sorry, maybe they'll let you go with a fine and do this. Or produce your evidence you keep saying you have, but like a Sasquatch TV show, we'll have to wait till next week to see the real thing, which never appears. <sighs> he didn't take my advice. Things are not been going well for him. These guys, they got to that same junction. And they didn't need me. The Wisconsin, the fake electors, the traitors, the Wisconsin Republican traitors didn't need me to look at them and say, come on, guys, grovel. They themselves, they couldn't start groveling fast enough because they realized they were in trouble. Um, they were used as part of an attempt to over, uh, improperly overturn the lawful election results. Fake electors in Wisconsin have finally agreed that Donald Trump lost the 2020 election, according to the Washington Post. We hereby reaffirm that Joseph R. Biden Jr. won the 2020 presidential election and that we weren't, uh, we were not the duly elected presidential electors for the state of Wisconsin for the 2020 presidential election. Suck on that, Voss. Uh, says the portion of their statement, we oppose any attempt to undermine the public's faith in the ultimate results of the 2020 presidential election. The agreement also requires the 10 GOP activists to provide full cooperation with any ongoing or future Justice Department probes related to the 2020 presidential election. I got a feeling they might be in D.C. before too long. Oh, it's lovely in spring. Have you been to D.C. in spring? The cherry blossoms. It's just magical. Magical. Um... The special counsel, Jack Smith, who has investigated the 2020 election subversion, indicated Trump and in, uh, indicted Trump and in, interviewed some fake electors but hasn't charged any of them yet themselves. Wisconsin's delegation of Sam electors was led by Andrew Hitt, a state GOP chair at the time. He included Robert Spindell, now a member of the Wisconsin Election Commission. They both were part of Wednesday's settlement. The civil case is unrelated to any potential. How in the hell is Spindell allowed to be part of the Wisconsin Election Commission when he now has openly admitted, openly admitted, yep, I was lying about that election. I was lying about it, and I lied, and I lied, and I lied. And I tried to overthrow a legitimate election in the United States. I'm sorry. How in the hell is this guy still allowed to be on the Wisconsin Election Commission? God, Wisconsin, you guys got to fix yourself, man. The civil case is unrelated to any potential state criminal inquiry into the elector's plot. 
two liberal leaning groups filed the case, Wisconsin based Law Forward and the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Profe- uh, Protection at Georgetown University. The group said the deal penalized people who ignore our nation's democra- uh, democratic ideals and helps ensure that the similar effort to subvert ido- democracy will never happen again. No, I, I think, once again, I think that the Wisconsin guys looked over and they saw the Michigan. Fake electors all going to get charged. They're, they're, there's likelihood some of those guys in Michigan are going to jail. Same thing with Arizona. Same thing with Nevada. And it's not yet known. I mean, I'm going to guess there's going to be more Cirque du Soleil type of flipping in Georgia with uh, that, that case, that, that RICO case they got down there against Trump. But you're going to – this. They, they saw the writing on the wall. They saw that, you know, even the Republicans who have created – Imper- what they think are impervious walls can't stop this from from being held accountable. And so, you know, this is there anything more groveling than this? We were wrong. Joe Biden won. We, we tried to overthrow the government of the United States. Oopsie. Our bad. We won't try to do it again. Oh, God. It, it's good to see. Some clarity, but someone needs to take Cash Patel and tell him, hey, did you see what the guys in Wisconsin did? They said that uh, Joe Biden won. And so, yeah, yeah, you can stop with your lies, man. You can just stop with your lies. We'll take a break. Come on back. It is the Matt McNeil Show. McNeil Show on your Wednesday. Hope the holiday season is going well for you out there. Busy, busy, that's for sure. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I want to uh, get into uh, a, an excellent uh, opinion piece by Tom Hartman. Of course, uh, uh, Tom Hartman, a very popular uh, radio host. He, he says something that I have been saying. Now, I have been saying this because my perspective is this. I've got three kids, and they're all Generation Z. My son is right in the very beginning cusp of Generation Z. I've got two daughters as well. Hell hath no, no fury like Generation Z. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that I've, I've – it's become pretty clear when you can look at a poll nowadays – one of the biggest problems they have for pollsters when, they, when they're when they out the polling is they, they can't get Generation Z to respond. And it's painfully obvious when they've completely or totally underrated the Generation Z vote. And the reason why is that they – that was the one Trump poll that said Trump is leading with Generation Z by 20 points. I said at that point you should have thrown that poll out because that's no way on in, – in hell that Donald Trump is leading with Generation Z. No. No, no, no. I mean, they would rather have my kids would rather have their dad show up at a date than <laughs> think about supporting Donald Trump. Hey there, guys, what you doing tonight? Looks like fun. <laughs> dad, I never want to see you again. Good to see you. Anyone want to come home and play some boggle with me? You know, yeah, seriously, just just I love doing it. I love doing it. Anyway. Uh, Generation Z is a huge problem. As a matter of fact, you've also seen um, the Republicans who clearly do not have an answer to Generation Z, who they definit- – were, were waking up prior to the overturning of Roe v. Wade but have now basically have circled every election day in November for the next few years because they want to show up and they want their voice heard. 
Um, Tom Hartman, in this editorial, he kind of adds on, jumps on this as well. It's no secret that for years, Republicans have targeted black and Hispanic voters, doing everything they can to make it harder for these folks to vote. Their latest targets are the young people. The GOP has decided probably correctly that Generation Z is their mortal enemy. (laughs) It's uh, it's a bit of a problem for them. The DLC's national communication director, uh, Abi Rahman, laid it out in Rolling Stone. Young people are the reason why Biden won in 2020 and Democrats up and down the ballot won in 2022 and 2023. If Generation Z continues to vote, we're on the cusp. And it's not just Generation Z. And I'm not uh, – this is – I'm saying this not taking any joy in this. It's just as a reality. The baby boomers are dying off. The baby boomers, the, the, the lost generation, the greatest generation, they're all dying off. That has been – those were the guys that Reagan brought with him into the Republican Party and they have been loyal Republican votes. And now they are disappearing. And so in, 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 in its wake, what's being replaced is Generation Z, who wants to vote for the Democrats. It is a one-two punch, which is something that the Republicans – this is why they're entertaining fascism and dictators. Because it's frankly looking like the way they're going to stay in power, frankly. And that's kind of where they're at. Um. We are. If Generation Z continues to vote, we're on the cusp of the most progressive era in our country's history. Republicans know this as well, and that's why they're doing everything they can to stop the young people from voting, including the fight for restrictions, what they are seeing play out in states like Wisconsin today. Come on, Wisconsin. What the hell, Wisconsin? Come on, Wisconsin. And by the way, it should. I'm going to be honest with you. The Democratic Party of Wisconsin takes some of the blame on this one. They have not managed that state well. Not as bad as New York. Dear Lord, not as bad as the Democrats in New York, but... Wisconsin Democrats are not done the, the, the due diligence they needed to do. This coming year, in particular, and the GOP is working hard as they can to make it especially difficult for young people to vote. Republicans in New Hampshire pushed legislation that would prohibit students play, paying out-of-state tuition from voting in that state, regardless of how long they've lived in the state to go to college, hop on a plane and fly home while school is in session to vote. That's the GOP message. In Texas, Republicans tried to ban all polling places from colleges and university campuses. Think about that for a second. The The Voting Rights Lab notes that laws making it harder to even ele- or illegal for use a student ID to vote were introduced by Republicans in at least 15 states this year. None, by the way, passed on their first attempts. But these are just three examples of literally hundreds of legislative attempts to make it difficult for Zoomers to vote. Zoomers? I just, I, okay. All right. You, okay. As an uncool dad, I'm not that uncool that I'd use the term Zoomers. Come on, Zoomers. Dear Lord. Uh, my, my own kids would unfollow me on Facebook with that one. Generation Z. As a guy from Generation X, Gen Z is, is a solid name. You don't have to jazz it up. Zoomers. Come on. I don't think that's going to catch up. No, it's not going to catch up with them. <laughs> We're Zoomers. Kind of sounded like some anti-drug group from the 1980s. You mean? <laughs> and we've got a dog mascot. No, uh, I would not go with Zoomers, okay? Ever since widespread voter purges were legalized when Sam Alito broke in the tie and wrote a 5-4 decision in 2018's case that legalized voter purges is the purges purges the gop has been in a tear throwing millions of people with a special emphasis on black and young voters off the rolls most recently the new hot strategy for the gop has rolled into a big way to suppress the vote in blue areas of red states is to strict signature matching 
They use this against voters who are succeeded in obtaining vote-by-mail ballots, which are often authenticated by and when received by comparing the signature on the envelope to the voter's registration card on file. Because signatures can slightly change in time and often vary a lot when people are in a hurry. This is low-hanging fruit for the GOP last year. They started a program of a field of army of 50,000 poll watchers, including interviewing candidates from among white supremacist militia groups for the 2024 election. That's where they're going. Well, some of these poll watchers will be on hand to try to intimidate or challenge black and young voters. Um, the, basically, uh, all the, 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 the practice they're doing already in red states, many will be overseeing the counting of mail-in ballots, which are generally more Democratic than Republican. All they have to do is claim that, in their opinion, the signature doesn't match and the ballot goes into the provisional pile, won't be counted unless it, until or unless the voter shows up in person at the county elections office. Most people never even know their ballot was challenged or not counted. So that's that's what the Republicans are doing. And that's when they sit out there and they keep saying all the time, like, we need you at the voter polls. They don't need you there for a legitimacy. They need you there to basically throw votes out. And that's what they're trying to do in a lot of places because they can't win anymore unless they cheat extraordinarily. And that's who they are. And that is who they are. Thank you very much. We will be back on a Thursday with an edition of the show. Until then, see ya. Hour two up next in Minneapolis. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday MSP. Good to be with you. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Yeah, I did remember we didn't end, the, end that, that hour with the Chicago guys. I, 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 I'm still learning this as I go. I, I've done this for almost 14 years at this station. It's a miracle I, 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 I can even change anything at this point. You get so repetitive. You thought it was a one-hour show. You were scrambling and sweating in there coming up with material. What am I going to talk about? One-hour show, you say? Wow. <laughs> That's like when I started here. Uh, 952 946 I got Midtown Global Market. Remember when we talked about their... Uh, you know, um, they're, they're disturbingly haunted snowman sculpture that looks oh, yeah. shockingly like the commissioner of the NBA. Uh, it, it does, actually. <laughs> it's, if you take a look at the pictures next to each other, wow. Um, the they, they are, got upset with me because I said yikes. No, okay. I want to point out the Rackets article is like the haunting, disturbing image. I said I do love him. I want the name McNeil on him. But if you've not seen the image, go to go to Racket, Minnesota. Uh, you can see it on various other places. I think uh, Bringing the News has got it as well. It is a pretty creepy picture. I mean, it's 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 not Lucille Ball or Monkey Jesus bad. <laughs> it's it's not those like whoa, what are you doing? Or was it Nathan Bedford Forrest who the guy the sculptor made it look like someone had just taken a hockey stick right to his crotch? You know? <laughs> as, as we should always remember that man. <laughs> Some sculptures just don't work out that well. Others, yeah. But I mean, I will say this probably, you know, just dignity-wise, the 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 creepy snowman at the Midtown Global Market is probably a little bit less egregious than some of the other ones that have happened. I'm not I don't I love it. It's nice. It's got its own thing, man. I'm not going to get in the way of that. I'm not going to get in the way of that. We also now all considering we're we're going to ramp this up to, you know, a thousand percent Minnesotan, it's time for us to name the plows. So they've now asked for names for the plow. Taylor Drift is going to win. 
It's gotta. Taylor Drift. Yeah. Taylor Drift has. I mean, I just. I, I can just. Anything with Taylor Swift on it is going to win. You could, if you came up with multiple versions of that, um, you know, Swifties. Oh God, I should not do this because someone's going to do it, and they're going to hit that vote tally, and that's going to be it. We're going to have nine plows named after Taylor Swift, which you know she is. You know, you know Tay Tay. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Group of Swifties is the plows that very easily. See, see what just happened there. Now he's going in. Now group of Swifties. That's going to be one of them. You know. Oh yeah. Kelsey's cuddle. <laughs> Yikes. Kelsey's cuddle is going to be one of them. Taylor, Taylor Drift has got to be. I mean, that is hands down going to be the best one. That wasn't that wasn't one we've done before, has it? To your mind, your recollection. Uh, you wonder if they have to keep some of these. Uh... In reserve for future years, so they have some uh, still big ticket ones they can throw out. Every- I've got one that I, I pretty much, as long as Taylor Swift fans don't flood the fl- voting, we can get one in. Laser Loon. Laser Loon, Laser Loon would win. I don't know where Laser Loon would be, but Laser Loon would win one. Creepy Snowman. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> the, the creepy you got to put that, uh, like, the face uh, painted on the front of that thing. Well, I mean, it's maybe you knew. If you do an image like that. You know, laser loon. You have to put a picture of the loon with laser beams coming out of its eyes. That would that would only be that would only be fair. But if you did do the haunted snow sculpture from the Midtown Global Market, you got to put that on the front of the plow. I mean, it, it looks like you know. You remember the abominable snowman from uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? It looks like his kind of thinner. After a serious medical problem version of that, you know, in, in, you know, bumbles bounce. You know, that's what that seriously. That's what he looks like. He kind of looks like you know he 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 had a he had a stint in the in the ICU, and this is him getting out, and he's looking a lot better. He's lost a lot of weight. He's looking, you know, he, he's looking further to the road to recovery and tormenting Santa and his reindeer in the future. You know that sort of thing. Tell <laughs> me, it doesn't look like him. Gosh, I hope they didn't. Now that you think about it, I hope they don't get into like some kind of copyright infringement with the the Bumbles Bounce because it does look a little bit like the Bumbles Bounce guy, a little bit. Uh, we'll have to see. All right, so plow names. Let's get plowed. They still won't use that one. That's my favorite. Let's get plowed. Yeah, I, I imagine they're not going to go with that. And and guys, stop with Mister Plow. Okay, it's a thirty year old Simpsons bit now. And and it still is it, it will get votes, but speaking of legal issues yeah. as well, yeah. Well, no, they can do that. I mean, I don't well, think I think Mr. Plow can. You know, I don't know if they've trademarked Mr. I think Plow. Simpsons or Fox or someone would have that trademarked. <laughs> we could need, like give them a cut of the revenue. Let's get plowed. Really, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could actually do. <laughs> you know, considering what Lauren Boebert did in the Beetlejuice musical, I mean, he's speaking. Of, you know. You know, you know, plowing the fields. You know, you know, you could. You know, there's a lot you could do. You're clearing a lot out of there. Rust, rustling with the stick shift. You know, I, I, you know, there's a lot you could be doing there. I hope Colorado names their plows. Well, that's they could have some fun with that. You know, you know the the yep nope when it comes to the mountains. That's what they call theirs. <laughs> the yep nope. <laughs> yep nope. None there. Ton over there. That's where they are. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Should we get into the sad story of the day? The sad story of the day. Cougar spotted in Minneapolis has been killed on 394. Now, I have to admit, the first time I saw that story, 
I did actually have to do a bit of a double take because I said, was the cougar driving? And it's <laughs> like, like the cougar can has a car. Um, this is that, and you know, yeah. Unfortunately, this is this is the deal, and this happened actually once before. The cougar spotted roaming the Lowry Hill neighborhood in Minneapolis early this week was struck by a motorist as it crossed 394. Was killed early on Wednesday. That didn't take you know. Unfortunately, we just found out about the cougar yesterday, and now the cougar's gone. Nathan Kmetz, 53, was on his way to work at 2.15 a.m. Okay. When the cat appeared out of nowhere as he drove west on Interstate 394 near Theoworth Parkway, he said he had no chance to stop. I never saw it, Kmetz said on Wednesday in a telephone interview. There was a thump. My car went into a median. It happened so fast. Kmetz was not seriously hurt, but hours after the crash was experiencing some soreness resulting from the Hummer's airbag, which deployed on the impact. The Cougar was taken out by a Hummer. Those things are still around? Oh, God. I thought those were like the uh, 2004, 2005 kind of things. Oh, yeah. God. It's, it's, what were those? Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's no, no, it's, it, you know, it's, you're not getting, you're not getting the public on your side, dude. <laughs> you're just not. He says his Hummer was totaled. Wow, that's, okay. <laughs> A little different from the military-grade version, I guess. Video yeah, that's a good point. A Hummer got totaled by hitting... Uh, no, don't get me wrong. A cougar is a big animal. Yeah, it could do some damage, but Hummers are supposed to be pretty durable. Total, though? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, sure. Well, I mean, did he did say he went into the median, so maybe he, you know, it was a secondary crash Yeah, the issue. median may have done most of the damage. Video from Safety Vid obtained by the Star Tribune showed a two-year-old male cougar Leaping a concrete wall on the south side of 394. God, that, that had – wait a second here. 394, the, the south side, he he climbed that wall and jumped it? If it's where I'm thinking of, that's not a small wall. Yeah, it's a cougar. Um, crossing the eastbound lanes, jumping over another divider, crossing the uh, reversible easy pass lane, and then jumping in the third divider before entering the westbound lanes where it was struck. The fatal crash happened about a mile or so from where the cougar was last spotted. On Tuesday afternoon, Minneapolis city officials had warned residents about a cougar living near the 1700 block of Logan Avenue South. <laughs> it makes it sound like he's got a place over there. <laughs> like, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood here, we, we're asking the post office if anyone's delivering any, ma- you know, any mail to cougar and seeing where that, that mail is going. Um, it is traveling through the Cedar Lake Trail system. The cat is last seen near Lake of the Isles. Really? Minneapolis Animal Care and Control and Minneapolis Department of Natural Resources had been tracking the animal one day after the big cat was captured on home security footage in the Lowry Hill neighborhood. The DNR removed the cougar and plans to take it to the uh, recover the cougar and plans to take it to the agency's wildlife research office in Grand Rapids to determine an official cause of death. I'm going to go with the Hummer. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was cancer and just was a bad luck sort of situation. I just, I'm pretty sure the Hummer did him in. Had a little food poisoning ahead of time. That's what really got him. Then he just happened to get hit. Wait a second. Hummer. Someone's been finicking around with that concrete wall. No, I don't. Someone's been messing with that. Um, the communications coordinator for the DNR, uh, Joe Albert, said that, that that's where they're going to investigate here. 
He confirmed the cougar, also known as a mountain lion, was the cat. But go with cougar because it just it allows you to use this voice. Um, it, uh, it they confirmed the cougar. Uh, it was the cat seen from Minneapolis, and the officials had been looking for it when it was not clear how the cougar made its way to Minneapolis. Albert said officials with the Nebraska Game and Parks confirmed it was a wild cougar that had been tagged in northwestern Nebraska. Well, I mean, come on. Have you been to northwestern Nebraska? Not a surprise it came to the cities. Lots more stuff to do here. The food alone is a lot better. Cougar sightings in a densely populated area are deeply rare, said David Stark of the DNR. The marked only the third time a cougar's been spotted in Hennepin County since 20, 2004. Depends on where you're hanging out. Uh, including one found, uh, one that was killed. This is the one I was mentioning before. In Bloomington, 2020, apparently was hit by a vehicle on 494. That was the last one down in Bloomington. You know, it, it, that's the trouble. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's nice that we have wildlife here, but you know, some of this wildlife, it just, it, it's opposed to like geese who seem to have mastered the art of living around humans. You know, some animals just can't get it done. I mean, that that's why it's always kind of you – know, every once in a while you see a moose. Well, first of all, if the moose is coming this far south, it's, it's generally something wrong with it. They don't like being down here. But, you know, moose you don't want to mess with, man. A moose would total out a Hummer in a heartbeat if you hit something like that. They're They're pretty big. So sad news indeed. Lynette is in St. Paul. Wanted to chime in on the Cougars uh, being hit on 394. Welcome on in, Lynette. Hey, Matt. Yes, I do teach driving, and I always tell the students, like, you never know what can be in the road. Yes, there can be a cougar on the freeway, and there I've seen deer on the freeway. I've seen debris on the road. I think a lot of people do just drive like nothing's ever going to get in their way. I'm not saying that guy in the Hummer, you know, was totally at fault. But it's just a lot of people drive way too fast for everything. And I don't know. I, I, we've had some interesting things that we have seen because we're looking. We're actually going, hey, something could be in the road. Mm-hmm. And I just think most people are not ready for anything, quite honestly, the way they drive. Well, so that's just my opinion. That, Lynette, thank you very much. I think you're, 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 you're to a point very spot on. Appreciate that. Um, I mean, first of all, I think for the guy here, let's, we're glad you're okay. I'm sorry you're having some soreness with the airbag. I've had that happen too. It doesn't feel the best. Um, so hopefully no problem there and sorry about your car. I mean, it was the case there. I will say this. I'm going to guess if we find out there's going to be a full investigation on this because it was so weird, a cougar hitting, a car hitting a cougar. I'm going to guess that if the speed was an issue, that that will come to light, that that will come to light. And if all of a sudden the guy was doing 80, 85 down 394, that that will eventually be released. We don't know. So I was driving. I was down in in Buford. I was down in South Carolina visiting my mom. And we were just driving. Um, I was driving her from my brother's house back over to her house. Came across one of the bridges and came down. By the way, no freaking street lights whatsoever. Pitch black. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, there's this woman who clearly was drugged out of her freaking gourd. Right walking down the middle of the street, and I stepped on the brakes and managed to stop before she – and she just kind of looked at me like, okay. I'm like, what in the world? You know, that could have very easily ended in a lot worse condition. Thankfully, she, she we did not hit her. We went and, and called the police and said, you got to go find this person. This person should not be out here because it's not a – 
it's it's kind of an, an there's not like houses or anything. It's not like a neighborhood. It was just kind of an open area. And so what if she was doing out in the middle of the road? I don't know. It's at first we thought was she trying to flag us down, but then she kind of looked at me and yeah, <laughs> left. It's like oh she's on meth. <laughs> it's like I'm sorry. I thought I thought I was someone I could actually have a conversation with. You're on meth. No, no word if the cougar was on meth, but you know. It was tagged in, you didn't hear this cuz Lynette was you were answering the call there. It was tagged in northwestern Nebraska. North what? Wow. Yeah. That's I, a journey. It is a journey, but I can understand why you got out of there, man. I <laughs> I can I can you got I mean, have you tried the Thai food in this town? The Southeast Asian cuisine is exceptional. Is it really is. Surprised you got here without getting bored trying to run across Nebraska. <laughs> Like driving I eighty across that. <laughs> he didn't even realize it's like, oh, like, well, that's a river. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I go, keep going. I keep. I smell some good foods. Maybe he had tickets to Taylor Swift and he just got here late. I don't know. That's that's could be nine five two nine four. I feel sad about the cougar. I do. It's not the way I want to go out by any means. I can tell you that for sure. This last year has been the more you know. But you know, it's no. It's it's no. I feel sorry because it's nice. It was nice having a cougar for one day running around the city of Minneapolis. I was expecting a lot more, a lot more longevity on the on the story cycle. So yes, this is very sad. But it makes me also wonder what the heck else is up in Theoworth Park right now. Like, what else could be roaming around Theoworth? You haven't heard of the Theoworth alligator? That's no, the there. gators. Oh, the gators of Theoworth. They're just they're, they're magnificent. They're they're magnificent. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. So when I come back, I'm going to take some time. I want to talk through the special election because yeah, it was a special election, and yeah, the Democrat was supposed to win. But I want to put this into get, can, together with a few things, especially these latest MinPost polls, which supposedly show that everybody is well, not not everybody, but a majority of people are upset with the Democratic majority. Really. Because this election result doesn't match that mentality in any way, shape, or freaking form. I'll come back to that in a second. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. is the phone number. So I have talked a little bit about um, the, 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 the MinPost polling that they've been putting out here by, is it Embed? Uh, what's the name of the place? That, uh, the, you know, Embold, Embold Re- Research. That is uh, that they have worked with on this, and I said that the in, in the poll particularly that you know caused me to say, okay, wait a second here was you know Biden barely leading Trump in Minnesota, okay, in Minnesota where the population is three five point seven million, three point seven million which live in the metro area plus Duluth, Rochester, Mankato, Moorhead, but Biden is barely winning. That doesn't make any sense. So I immediately went and looked at their methodology. And I pointed out their methodology, there was some of it was phone calls off of phone numbers listed on voter data banks, databases, which was a small percentage, and that's going to obviously skew older. 
But then they basically went and put an online poll. We'd like for you to answer some poll questions on Facebook and on Instagram. And the first thing I said is, well, if you're on Facebook, well, you're, you're missing basically anyone under the age of 35 for the most part. Not, not, not ex- exclusively, but I don't know hardly anyone who's that y- that's, that's younger that's on Facebook. Instagram's a better outcome. But they're notoriously you're you're saying that I'm going up on Instagram as a generation Zer, and oh, I'm going to do this political poll. No, I said you, you you went and then went to a Survey Monkey site, and I said, okay, what you basically have here is the Blockbuster Movie Awards. I mean, that's what you, I mean. You do, you know? Would you like to vote for the Blockbuster Movie Awards? Well, click on this link. Adam Sandler wins again. You know, really, it's that sort of thing. You know, it's just it's it's. It's an easily manipulated system, which, once again, I pointed out, and the first time I pointed this out is when they released their their the results for people that wanted uh, more abortion rights and an equal rights amendment, which were fairly stark. I said, wait a second here. You actually think there are people who support the equal rights amendment and more rights for people that want to have an abortion in the state of Minnesota who are in turn going to bail on the Democrats and vote for Donald Trump as well? That's crazy, man. That's just crazy car. That doesn't make it didn't make any sense. That is numbers don't just add up. You don't have a 14.14% of the people who are going to be voting for a an equal rights amendment are going to support then in turn one of the least equal rights amendment human beings that's ever existed. Okay? That just that doesn't make sense. So clearly there were some problems that I had with the polling. They released polling yesterday. And this is directly about talking about the DFL Farm Party labor and the trifecta that they have. The first question, as stated, as you may know, the Democratic Farm Labor Party gained full control of state government in 2022, holding the governor's office in both houses in the state legislature below are two statements about the 2023 legislative session. Statement A, the success of the 2023 legislative session will make huge differences in the lives of Minnesotans. This proves that more gets done when one party controls the state government. Statement B, the 2023 legislative session was bad for Minnesotans. While the parties share control of the state government, the results in compromises is far better than Minnesota. Funny story. Uh, they didn't really like to compromise. And I, I should mention, when we had the last time we just, you know, late 2022, we had a deal on the table to pass a budget that the Republicans were on board with, but because they were insisting that they were going to clean house and win every office in 2022, they turned it down. And it was funny because I, lo- I love that. We're not going to sign this. We're going to pass our own budget. Then they got, they lost all everything, the House, the Senate, and the governor's office. Hey, hey, you remember you guys? Remember that deal we had? Wouldn't it be great if we could could just we could go we could we just to have a show up, we'll sign that deal now. Yeah. So of those who completed the poll, of those who completed the poll, which by the way, is not the most reassuring statement to begin clause to begin a sentence in a poll thing. Of the people who completed the poll, twenty three percent agreed much more with statement A and fifteen percent somewhat more. The aggregate total of statement A was 38%. The aggregate total for statement B, that they wanted more government uh, bickering, was 46%. Okay. So basically you have a firm majority that does not like the Democrats in charge, according to this poll. 
Um, the poll also asked respondents about the record $17.6 billion surplus when the pre-pandemic records had been $1.8 billion in 2015. That money will be vital to the DFL agenda, pay for both one-time and ongoing expenditures. The uh, in, in the... 2023 legislative session, state lawmakers spent much of the state's $18 billion surplus on priorities, including education, transportation, child care, housing, and infrastructure. A small portion went to tax rebates and tax cuts. Which of the following best matches your views? And by the way, I, you know, a, a, you, know you kind of went out there to your, – your question was loaded. And by the way, a smaller portion went to tax – you can just say it went to tax, tax rebates. You, you, you specifically put in – parameters which tried to make it seem like and they didn't really give that much money to tax rebates so your your questions were biased man what are you doing which of the following best matches your views more of the surplus should have gone to tax cuts 46 percent. really <laughs> sorry the balance between spending cuts and tax cuts was about right more money the surplus should have gone to spending not sure but even uh there basically is 46 to 42 percent on this. So this is what they're putting forward. They're putting forward that a majority of people are upset at single party government in Minnesota, the DFL winning the trifecta and controlling the House, the Senate and the governor's office and getting a ton of stuff done. And that basically that they they've, that the Democrats, when they were in charge, 46 percent said, oh, they didn't do what we wanted. All right. Now, I as well think this entire poll – now, the, 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 the bad question aside, because that, that – come on, that's a loaded question. Don't, you don't ask loaded questions in polls. You guys should have been better at that. And the, frankly, I'm kind of surprised that that actually got through any kind of quality control at MinPost on this, if you want to know the truth. Because, I mean, it's, it's, you, you clearly went in there to – you know, pushing a talking point in the question. But the reality is, is – I think this whole question, this whole result, as well, is fraudulent and is as fraudulent as the day is long. For this reason, let's look at the special election from last night. I will do that when I do return. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, we did have a special election last night in 52B. Uh, this is Ruth Richardson's old seat uh, that she had uh, um, you know, decided to, to leave. And so it opened things up. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was it was it was not really a surprise if you want to know the truth the, the Democrat won Bianca Ward Verning V I R N I I G Vernig 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 uh, she won yesterday handily now I, I want to make sure I pre- I want to predicate this because I want to bring this back to the so called Min Post poll and say okay sh- I'm not sure that Min Post poll should be taken with too much weight. Now, I'm going to do what a good person would do, and I'm going to 
put forward the faults that I might have with this thought process on the front end. This is a district of 52B um, is a district that has become more liberal, uh, more Democrat since the redistricting. I said this was a problem Republicans were going to have where a district like this might have been a more of a toss-up district uh, in the past. But today I think it's it's fairly – um, fairly safe Democratic district. And as a matter of fact, Ruth Richardson won in 2022 in the election there uh, by 25, yeah, a little more than 25 points. Um, she didn't double up uh, Cynthia Lundquist, uh, who ran again in the special election, uh, but she she beat her soundly. And that, that was the first election with the new border, with the new re- reformatted thing. And this goes back to what we talked about here when those maps came on out, I was like, how are the Republicans going to win these seats? Well, one of the things that – there were a bunch of things that played into the Republicans' hands with potentially winning this seat. The first of which is that the, the idea that the – if you're going to do this, you, need, you want to do this on a special election. You want to do this on a special election. Um, so because you don't have an incumbent at that point. And incumbency is a, a big deal. Now, there was a race, God, not that long ago. It was like five or six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, where a Republican won upset the guys in Bloomington. You know, it, I don't, you know that, that sometimes does happen. You can, you can get that in the case. But this was rarely – if you're going to pull off an upset in a district which is traditionally more on the opposite side, you want to do this in a special election when the incumbent is not there. Number two, as I mentioned before, Cynthia Lonquist was the candidate. As a matter of fact, she has been the candidate now – for is it for yeah in 2020 let's see here i'm just looking up at ballotopia um in 2020 she was the candidate she was the candidate in 2022 and she was the candidate in the special election she's got name recognition she's got name recognition that's another thing that works on their side the third thing that works it works on your side is so you don't have an incumbent you've got name recognition it's a special election, and we've talked about this before. Special elections, you do not need to put together a massive get-out-the-vote campaign to do it. And as a matter of fact, judging from the MinPost poll, with 46% of the state saying they're upset about this, you know, this trifecta that's in there, well then, you know, really, if, if Republicans show up, guess what? They're going to win that seat. They're going to pull off an upset. Doesn't mean they're going to hold it for the next election, but it's a quick way for you all of a sudden to get, you know, it would change the narrative dramatically in the upcoming election cycle. Absolutely, without a doubt. So let's look at the numbers here. The election yesterday, 58.2 for Bianca Ward uh, Verning. Vernig, as Cynthia Longquist was at 40, uh, basically 41. So it's a 17 point swing. That is not close. <laughs> that, that is that is not close. But the, and, and some Republicans are saying, "Well, wait a second here. You know, it was it was uh, twenty. It was uh, twenty twenty 
23 points. It was 23 points in 2022, but it's, it was only 17 points. Now, see, we're making inroads. Well, you didn't have an incumbent. You did not have an incumbent. That is what, if you want a base model of what 52B is going to be like in elections, I'm going to guess 17. If it's a, if it's a neutral election, there's no incumbent. It's going to be a 17 plus 17 Democratic seat. Actually, I probably would even, I wouldn't even put it that high. I'd probably say plus 14, maybe a plus 13, plus 14 seat, knowing the fickle nature of voters. Because it's not like this is the first day of me looking at this stuff. I do like looking at this stuff. I'm a bit of a wonk on this stuff. I like this stuff. Your voter turnout, because once again, I want to go back to the MinPost story. MinPost was talking about how, oh boy, oh boy, are the Democrats in trouble. You know, 46% think that the state being in charge of these people there. So 46% say this, enough's enough, which basically would mean that every Republican is furious. Every Republican is furious at this control. If you go back to the 2022 election, the number of votes that Cynthia Longquist got in that election was 8,636. Those were the Republicans that showed up to vote for her in this election. If these Republicans, if this 46% is legitimately angry, yeah, you might not be because a general election is going to get more voters. You're not going to be maybe 8,636. But could you see yourself getting maybe 5,000, 6,000 votes in a special election? If, if the if the Min Post poll was telling us the truth about the way that people feel in this state, then this was a very viable pickup for the Republican Party, and they did not even get close. As a matter of fact, looking at the vote totals, once again, I said to you, these, these off-year elections, these, these special elections, they generally don't have the biggest turnout. Bianca won with 3,850 votes. Cynthia Longquist had 2,700. To put it in a better perspective for you, is Cynthia Longquist would have just had 50% of the vote she had, 4,300 votes. If she would have had 50% of the votes she had in 2020, the election we just had, half, half the votes of this irate, angry Republican right in the state that's just had enough of these Democrats being in charge, if only half the people that voted for her in 2022 showed up to vote, it would have been over. She would have won by 500 votes, 550 votes. If half the people that showed up for her in 2022 showed up yesterday. She got basically a third, a little less than a third of the people who voted for her, voted for her yesterday. How am I supposed to take your poll seriously? When in the and by the way, and, and sure, we can we can mac we can micro this, we can macro this. I can look at this and say, Matt, it's just one special election in a liberal district. No, this was all set up for you guys to basically do better than this. Once again, no incumbent, name recognition with the Republican candidate. Um, you have off your election, so you don't need to get that many votes. And all you needed to do is get half of the so-called, as the MinPost poll says, upset at the trifecta voters to the polls. You just needed 
half the people that showed up for you in 2022. Half. And you would have dominated this race. So what does it tell us? Tells us I don't think the Republicans are going to spend too much money on 52, 52B anymore. I think I think that one's a, that ship has sailed. I don't think you're you're going to get too much in the way of you know, you're, you're going to just get the guy. So sure, yeah, you can run with the Republican. You don't you don't have any like I imagine some of these districts which are so far to the left. Uh, it's a, hey, as long as you just don't have anything in your background that will make us look bad, fine. You're the candidate. We're not going to help you. We're not going to give you any money. We're not going to give you any assistance. But off you go. But this is why I look at this MinPost poll and I say, okay, shouldn't your brand new poll be reflected somewhat in reality? Here was the chance for these people who were upset. And you can say to me, Matt, come on, man. It's a Democratic district. Fine. Where were the Republican voters? If half of them showed up. Half of these outraged Republicans, furious at the trifecta, if half of their voters, I'm not talking about flipping Democratic votes to Republican votes. I'm just talking about the tried and true red votes. If that MinPost poll was telling us reality, then how in the hell did they not show up and do a very basic knockout of a Democratic politician? Seriously, how? I would love, I would love for someone to explain. Like Matt, Matt, when you're you're kind of looking at the waves and stuff, don't and don't get me wrong. I know you can pull me out to some 500 person town out in Western Minnesota, and we can go through a hundred people out there, and every one of them say, "I'm a Republican. I'm a Republican. I'm a Republican." Fine. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. And this is, you know, even though this is a more liberal district. It's not exactly South Minneapolis. It's not. It's not the Northeast. It's not. It's. It's. It's not St. Paul. It's not Duluth. If your argument is forty-six percent compared to what thirty-eight percent? What was the numbers on that? Thirty-eight. Uh, I think it was yeah, thirty-eight percent. 46 to 38, that 46 percent of people are upset about the Democratic trifecta in the state government, while 38 percent are for it. You should have actually had some attrition from the Democrats in this district, and you didn't even get that. If I guess what I'm saying is this. You get a lot of people here. Well, first of all, I've got some real questions on who the hell answered your poll. I've got some real questions because I don't think you got a really good slice of of the state. I think you got a very, especially when you look at the poll that released today, it's it's basically a bunch of right wing talking points about what issues are matter most to to, to Republicans. I mean, seriously, it's it's I, I have some real serious doubts. You guys actually conducted a legitimate poll here because shouldn't. And like I said, when I first pointed out the fact that like the Equal Rights Amendment and the pro-abortion things, that it didn't make too much sense that you're saying that there are people that are going to be for that, that are going to abandon Joe Biden and vote for Donald Trump, that doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't. And that is, that is a real big question. It's like, okay, wait a second here. How do you – I mean, I, you know, I, I, I just – 
Would there be a few Republicans? Yeah, but 14% of the people that support one issue all of a sudden are going to flip to the other side? I doubt that. But this is a more direct line from A to B. Your argument is people are upset because of the trifecta. Fine. Why the hell didn't even the Republicans show up to this election? Because if the Republicans, not moderate Democrats, flip into the other side, if the Republicans would have shown up for this election, they would have won it. And they didn't even bother to show up. And it's easy for us to say, well, did they know? Well, I guarantee if you live in that district, you knew. There are signs everywhere. There are flyers. There was door knocking. Han was out there, you know, the, the head of the GOP. He was out there door knocking. He saw the opportunity out there. I don't know if you can do polling today. I don't know. Outside of exit polling where you're talking to people who are directly leaving a polling site and getting who did you vote for, what's the biggest issue, then I think you get legitimate or relatively close to legitimate results. Which, by the way, is not a guarantee either because it depends on how many mail-in votes are there. So you're only counting the people who showed up to vote that day, not the people that voted absentee or did a mail-in ballot or however. But that still seems to be about the best way you can do it today because you have a large portion of the population that's not sitting on a farmhouse with a rotary dial phone in their dining room saying, Mother, go answer the phone. Oh, they want to ask us our opinion on politics. Oh, Rod, let's, I've got six hours to waste with you in the polling sitting. You can ask me any questions you like. That's not how the world works anymore. And I get, I, and I said this the first time, I get that you guys try to go to social media. But I don't think you, I, I, Generation Z doesn't look to take polls online unless it's, you know, who's, you know, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? All right. And, 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 and legitimately, I don't know, even if you did a poll like that, how much legitimacy could you put into it anyway? Because it's basically the blockbuster movie awards when you do it like that. Nope. I, there should be some correlation between A and B. And when I look at this poll that was put out there saying all the, the majority of people are upset with the trifecta, and here's your first chance. And it, once again, it wasn't like you had to get more than 13,000 people to show up. You just needed half the people that were Republicans who voted in 2022 to show up and vote in 2023's special election, and you didn't even get close. So don't come and tell me about how upset and angry people are about issues because it's not translating into them showing up at the polls. And yeah, it's one poll, but as well, I can do it on the macro level too. We've been seeing this ever since freaking Roe v. Wade, and it's not getting any better for the Republicans. That's a, this, this is a, if you want to know the truth, this is a brand failure for the Republicans. Your brand is failing in the metro area, and you don't have any chance. And it doesn't matter how much, what polls tell me, I'll look at these results and I'll say to myself, yeah, you guys should have done better there if all these angry, upset people at the trifecta were still around, and that just did not happen. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break, come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. The only other thing I can think of is this. It's just... 
the Republican brand, I mean, I tell you, the, the brand is failing, but it could be the fact that there are people who are proud Republicans who basically are just terrified of, yeah, I, I, I want the Republicans in power, but I don't want the, the clown car brigade that's the far right extremist MAGA Republicans in the state or Trump to be in power. So I'll, I'll sit this out because I'd rather sit this out than see someone I would like to, you know, see beat, get beat. Could be that right there. I have to say. Uh, staff members, this is on a KSTP. Staff members in Minneapolis South High School have revealed safety concerns and a pattern of violence this year in emails obtained by KSTP. The Minneapolis South High School employees whose identity the state TV station, you know, prevented, uh, you know, kept secret. There's been a pattern of violence in the high school since the beginning of the school year and internal emails obtained by KSTP showed staff members and teachers are often afraid of physical violence. Dude, you got to stop this stuff. Let's be clear. Kids are assaulting each other and assaulting adults with regularity, said the South High School employee. I had a colleague say to me they're terrified about certain kids. KST obtained an email written by a teacher to an administrator at the Minneapolis Public Schools. In the September email, the teacher said, I witnessed a student assault another adult when he punched the para and kept shoving him. I know what I'm speaking of when I talk about the levels of student outbursts and that are putting others in danger. Please don't let this escalate within the walls of the South High. I know that far too often these events are downplayed. KSTP also obtained a November email written by another teacher. In the email thread to colleagues, the teacher said, I and five students sheltered in place after hearing what I thought one might have been gunshots in the all-gender bathroom. Three or four loud retorts were then heard. I locked my doors and we retreated to the dark room of the back of the classroom. I did call the main office and told the substitute receptionist what I heard. It happened at the end of the third hour after students had mostly left my room. I made the call in the main office at 1137. No one came. We have normalized the crazy so that we just think setting off fireworks in school is just a funny prank. What happens next time is actually a gun. So it wasn't a gun. It was fireworks, apparently. But still, it's, you know, the, the point is made. You're calling up the school front office and the front office is like, eh, we can't be bothered with that. The employee who talked with KSTP with her identity concealed added, it's not about the teachers. It's not about the offerings. It's not about the curriculum. It's safety, period. And by the time you get to the middle school at MPS, and then high school, it is a joke, and it's just a joke, and no one wants to say it. KSTP reached out to Minneapolis Public Schools, a response, but Minneapolis Public School spokesperson had no comment. Uh, okay, let me, you, you bring up the fireworks thing. I had my, my kids' high school, someone let off some fireworks in the parking lot as school was being let out. Trust me when I say I got the very strong impression they were going to hunt these kids down and make sure there were consequences for their actions. You can't – I've always said I feel it's a disservice to kids that when they do something that would get them in trouble in the real world, we just shrug our shoulders and say, it's just kids. Thankfully, we've woken up to the stalking and harassment, especially of female students, that was, oh, it's just kids. Thank God we've woken up to that. But there is this mentality that, once again, they're just, it's its the, we so love the diamond in the rough story. And the problem with this is that you don't realize how much rough there is. Sure, there's a few diamonds out there, but you got to tolerate a lot of, apparently, students punching other students and acting like that's a good thing because, hey, diamond in the rough. You got to do better, Sal. You got to do better.
Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We are back on a Thursday. Until then, see ya.